Hi, lovely people. Welcome to the Grow and Learn podcast. This is your host, Zorina. And today, yet another surprise, I am bringing the topic of esports and gaming, something that I admit I, I am not acquainted with. I am, it's probably the topic the furthest away from me, but I'm super curious to learn more. I'm welcoming Liam Brown, who is the Corporate Partnership Manager for Knights Esports Group based in Pittsburgh. Hi, Liam. Welcome. Hi, Zarina. Uh, really happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining. Liam, what do you do? What is esports? I mean, I, I feel like I'm jumping in deep waters here. I have no clue mm -hmm. what you're talking about. Actually, esports to me sounds sounds like gambling almost. Is it? Well, well, here's the, well, here's the thing. It's funny. The gambling and sports betting helps every helps every you know field that it's a part of grow and evolve sports betting in the esports and gaming field is very much at its fledgling state but esports overall how i would define it is the competitive field of gaming that allows people to engage in different video game titles that they thoroughly enjoy at the professional level and it is a field that since the barrier to entry is a little bit lower and also because access to actually viewing the content is so much more accessible. You have live stream platforms such as Twitch, pre-recorded content on, on YouTube and TikTok is so accessible. It's an, it had, this has caused the, my field to grow and evolve consistently over the years. And it, it's allowed for a lot of media coverage and everybody can be a part of it in some way, shape or form. Doesn't matter the age. That's one of the things that I love about the space so much. So that gives a short definition of, of esports and gaming, a little introduction for some of your, you and your viewers. All right. So at the beginning, when we started chatting, the, this brief mm -hmm. introduction, you mentioned that um, the, the place where you're based in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, has a history mm -hmm. of having three very famous um, soccer teams. I am not aware of uh, American football, soccer, none of these. Actually, I'm based right. in Europe. I'm, I apologize for my lack of sports knowledge. No, no, no. Please let me, educate me. <laughs> right. I mean, well, well, you're based in Europe and, and is hockey a little bit bigger over there? Yeah, in some countries, yeah. yes. Okay, mm -hmm. perfect. So um, the as far as Pittsburgh in general, we're, we categorize ourselves as the city of champions, right? We have the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are a professional football team, the Pittsburgh Penguins, which is a professional hockey team. And then we also have the Pittsburgh Pirates, uh, which is a ba baseball team. And then we have the Riverhounds, which is a professional soccer team, right? This is a city of a lot of athletic and professional talent. On the athletic side, we have several different sports teams based out of this city. And also we have a professional talent because we have we have uh, more than five and more than five or six schools based in just a five or six mile radius, which allows for all kinds of different professional startups and also different talent for recruitment because we're constantly getting an influx of new talent, new motivated people coming to the city and settling into the city after they graduate. So that's what's allowed us as an esports organization to succeed is that from an, from our founding, we were able to partner up with and start to work with each of these different sports teams and and their partners in order to bring up our 
professional status as a sporting team and also as an organization overall. We are also able to pull from the different talent groups, just as I mentioned, from all the different universities and colleges uh, to further bring an influx of new talent to our organization, which helps a lot, especially in, in such an evolving field such as esports and gaming overall. So that that kind of gives a background to how we've worked with some of the sports teams. And that's also one of the things that makes us different as a esports and gaming organization as a whole, because what you'll see with a lot of other teams is that they'll just get several very talented individuals at the game together they'll make a graphic and then they'll go out and say, we are, a, we are a team and we're gonna go compete in this game. What makes, what makes us a little bit different than that is that our executive board and our founders, they, were, they, have, they have close to 20 to 30 years of experience in this field from a professional and a management space, right? So it is as if one sports entity which is comprised of former veterans in that space and MBA graduates, because all of our all of our executive board and our upper leadership they were professional esports players in the early 2000s in the late 90s when this industry was at its start. And then what they did was they competed at the highest level, and they went on to become to pursue higher education. Uh, you know. Um, uh, MBA graduates. And then they went back into this space and they said, hey, how can we make this space better? How can we elevate it? So that that's one of the things that makes us different from our founding because we have industry veterans who went back, got educated, came back, and also brought in more people. Uh, case in point, the Steelers and the Pirates who we work closely with um, currently. So a little bit, little bit of background on the Knights and, and kind of why we chose to stay here. I kind of get it, but not entirely. So perfect. When, okay. when you, yes, <laughs> there comes my next question. When you <laughs> recruit um, uh, sports people and graduates mm -hmm. from you know, sports uh, related um, subjects and sports management or whatever, mm -hmm. how do they exactly contribute to your company? Because esports mm -hmm. is basically like a computer game, isn't it? Like if I were to, take the image of somebody and play hockey mm -hmm. of a player. Mm -hmm. I am not actually this. I mean, that, does it matter that you're recruiting somebody really famous in hockey in real life physically mm -hmm. when it comes to um, esports? Yes. So we look at a couple of things when recruiting. So we have two sides to our recruitment. One is going to be the staff uh, on, on the inside that are going to work towards like me, towards corporate partnerships, uh, handling all of the content and social media on the side, or from a leadership perspective, handling admin and operations, just like any other company. Yeah. On the other side, which is is usually the more interesting part to a lot of people, is going to be the talent side, which which you just referenced, right? So when we're recruiting different talent or professional players, we have a a current we have four different teams right now we compete in four different e-sports so any kind any e-sport or any competitive landscape is going to be comprised of a bunch of different titles in esports it's going to be uh, well we compete in iRacing Madden 2023 Rainbow Six Siege 
and different fighting games. So uh, Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter. So those in and of themselves are different esports. So it's the Knights act as one organization that owns several different sports teams, right? This is that one, one organization owned a rugby team, a, a, a football team, a, a hockey team, right? So, oh, so, so the, the, the first three esports that you mentioned mm-hmm. out of the four, they're not traditional sports. They're specifically right. designed for the e-space industry. Right. So uh, well, with, with the exception of Madden, uh, Madden is a game specifically about American football. It is one of the most popular and foundational sports games uh, really in gaming and gaming history of Right. So uh, we have that. We have iRacing. iRacing is one of the most realistic uh, sports, uh, esports, because you have all the different competitors consistently creating these large setups. And, and I can send you a couple of pictures after this. It's really interesting. But they'll spend 20,000, 10 to 20,000 dollars to create a setup in their living room or in their gaming room, which perfectly emulates driving a race car. It's got the shock systems on the back. It's got all the different pulleys and mechanisms in a professional sports vehicle. So then what they're able to do is they're able to just run races after races after races all day. And what this does is it um, it creates a much uh, higher acumen and higher skill set than you might see in, in traditional racing because they're just able to consistently run races all day. They're not constricted to, okay, well, I have to change the tires. I have to log in my time at the racetrack. I have to coordinate with my road crew and my pit crew, right? So uh, that that's a little bit of iRacing. Um, we covered Madden. Rainbow Six Siege is a very, it's very gritty team-based combat where you're going into a specific area, you're blasting through walls, you're trying to rescue hostages. It's a military type shooter game. And then in fourth, it's going to be your more traditional uh, fighting games, such as Mortal Kombat's and Street Fighters. A lot of people know those games because one, they made headlines and two, they're pretty brutal. Uh, It's just going to be two players going together side by side on on a fighting screen, right? When you look at esports organizations, they're, all of them are going to have multiple different teams on their overall roster in order to not only gain visibility to each audience demographic, uh, you know, I mean, you know, this not every hockey fan is the same as a rugby fan. Not every cricket fan is the same as a baseball fan, right? This a bunch of different psycho- psychologies and different demographics that apply to each uh, to each game that you're watching or competing in. But also it allows esports organizations to provide placement for their partners and their sponsors to a bunch of different audience demographics. And, and you know, when, when you live in data as much as we do, we like to look into that and see how best can we go into each title that we compete in, act as a leader in the space, uh, or, or simply compete in that space, right? So, so that, that kind of gives you... Uh, a frame of reference for our overall like structure from a competitive standpoint. Um, but when, okay. but kind of to circle back to your original question about recruiting on the talent side, we look at several different things. Uh, first of which is going to be your skill at the game in question. Obviously you want to recruit players and talent that are skillful at that game because you know, you want to make championships. And if you can't make championships, you want to be at the top level of competition. Number two, you're going to look at the overall social following. We exist in a digital space and a digital age overall. And the social following is very important because those fans 
uh, hypothetically, are going to be our fans when you join our organization. And then number three, this one's also very important, is how do they interact with the fans? Are they controversial during streams? Do they have a loud mouth? Do they trash talk? Do How are they during interviews, right? We want somebody that's going to emulate our values and also be able to speak to a wider fan base from their behavioral standpoint, right? So that's what we go for and that's what we look for when in talent acquisition mainly. All right. So you're acquiring talent to form teams and you have audience. So you're basically mm -hmm. recreating the exact same thing that happens on a stadium. Ex exactly. Ex except we're not held hostage to just physical physical events and physical stadiums. In esports, this is why uh, esports was able to continue to progress even during uh, COVID, because we're able to host events and competitions for prize money uh, and with the same amount of talent virtually and electronically. Esports and gaming overall also allows different people to connect and form friend groups and friendships through a common interest, you know, just like any interest. You know, you go, you go down to, uh, you going down to a beer and wine tasting, and, and you're able to meet pe people of uh, of the same interest as you, right? It's it, esports and gaming is is much the same as any other interest point, right? And, and not only do we have the the teams themselves, but as an organization, we're also able to bring on individual influencers that you know might stream might might live stream in several different games uh, and they their what their personality is what's attractive and and we'd also pull that under our uh, talent umbrella as well mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so give me a, a scope of the like a size of the whole not of the entire esports but maybe of your company what is the mm -hmm. approximate following and the approximate subscriber number that that you currently have just, just well, to have an idea of how big this whole thing is. <laughs> right. So so with our or our size as an organization is not just limited to follower count, but it's also it also takes into account the what we do as an organization to fulfill esports and gaming for many other different organizations and people. So I'll I'll let you in on some of the things that we're doing that that brings us that allows us access to even wider networks than our current. So we probably, we have our largest following on Twitter. I think we have a close to 40,000 followers on Twitter. We have close to 20,000, 30,000 on Instagram. We also uh, have like, we have thousands of followers on Twitch, but the biggest part for us is not just the follower count, but also the experiences we're able to create for for gamers and and people who are who are new to esports overall, and also to different esports teams. So, what drove us to do that was is acting as a leader in the space from an events and league standpoint. We're one of the only esports teams to regularly run live competitive events on our own live stream and our uh, on our own home arena so every i mean every sports team has their own home stadium uh we're no different ours is on twitch and it is a completely virtual home stadium it's our knights arena there we ho we regularly host monthly and uh bi-monthly events in video game titles such as valorant rocket league uh apex legends csgo and what is interesting there is that 
just like any other sporting event, you're not just we we control all the brand messaging, advertising, direct messaging to fans via the the live Twitch chat. We don't just control the visibility for our fan base. We also control the visibility of brands for all of the other teams that come to compete on our stage, right? So for each event, let's say, uh, let let's say the the recent Valorant Gauntlet that we held over the course of April, uh, t- uh, sixteen different teams, if I'm not mistaken, sixteen different esports teams came to compete on our stage for not only bragging rights but also prize money. And this is all officially sanctioned by all the creators of these games, the developers, in this case, Riot Games, because Riot Games uh, developed and created uh, Valorant. Most of your viewers might know their other game, League of Legends, which is massive. Um, So on our Knights Arena, we're able to host other professional organizations to compete on our stage. And then the real kicker right now is Valorant is currently one of the top esports in the world. It's a fast-paced team-based shooter. Several different heroes compete for the ability to plant the spike on the other team's area of the map. And then they have to let it they have to let it blow up. So one team is defending, the other is attacking. Smaller maps, you know, these gritty, like, different superpowers that each character has. Right now, Valorant is the top esport in the world. And for there is several different leagues, all right? I, don't, I, wanna, I, I want you to stay with me. So the, the top league is based over in Iceland, but each continent has to compete to bring talent into that league we're running the entire league for all of north america for valorant we're running the entirety of the valorant north america challengers league which is what it's officially called and ju- that that's as if one org that's as if that's as if one soccer team was running the entire professional uh league in america canada and mexico for the world cup finals right and and we had we had one team representing all of north america and one sports one sports team in america was tasked with running everything now since we're running everything not only do we have access to all of this sponsorship but uh, for for this so we're running the the event overall as far as viewership uh and engagement it far exceeded our original anticipation anticipated numbers by 700%. So uh over the course of uh this year alone our organization has been able to generate from from the Valorant Challengers League, our Knights Arena, our organization as a whole, we're able to generate over 60 million impressions and also 500,000 concurrent viewers on our lives are on our live stream in this year alone in the first five months of this year right so that kind of gives you a size and scope of not only how not only how big this is but also how many people are tuning in and viewing when they're at work when they're hanging out with their friends people are hosting live watch parties on platforms such as discord and just hanging out with their friends and watching and and engaging with the sponsors esports and gaming is one of the most accessible and interactive sports because from a live stream perspective, you're able to just you're able to message back and forth with the event as it's going, and also message back and forth with other users. That that kind of gives you a, an idea of the size and scope of our organization and, and kind of the space overall. Mm-hmm. How big is your organization in terms of 
employees? Uh, from, uh, you know, that that's a really good question. Uh, as far as staff goes, there's about 30 of us. 30. <laughs> there's about 30 of us uh, split up over broadcasting, uh, advertising and marketing. The, the advertising and marketing team really handles a lot of the content creators and, and negotiations from there. We have coaches, we have, uh, and then there's my department, the partnerships team, where we will go out and try to find relevant brands that want to work with us and, and also who want access to this wildly, I, I don't want to say profitable, but this insanely um, profitable audience group uh, of, of gamers and esports fans. So we're a very lean organization when when you think of when you when you think of what we do and and versus how many people actually work for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I see. Yeah, and, and so what kind of sponsors or advertisers usually usually come to you? Who would mm-hmm. advertise to this target group? Right. So on the surface level, what we've seen in esports and gaming is the typical ones such as fast food and. Uh, energy drinks and and soda and, and soda and beverages. So what we've done is, is we've worked with uh, local convenience stores. We've worked with Coca-Cola. We've worked with uh, when when Coca-Cola was debuting their Coke Energy that was debuting in a bunch of different department stores. We've worked with those. But one of the things that we're also bringing into the space is, is stuff that people wouldn't think of banking and finance. Uh, investing applications for for people because let's face it, esports and gaming has a wide availability for whoever wants to not only participate but also engage with it. So that viewership tends to skew a little a little bit younger, and these people would like to engage in. in uh, I mean, nowadays a lot of it, it, they would like to, exactly financial tech. So uh, banking, fintech, uh, we got uh, uh, cryptocurrency and different food uh, food companies, meal prep companies, every, everyone that wants access to a, a generally higher income audience demographic that once they experience a brand and understand that that brand is trying to grow the space that they are heavily interested in, that they want to that they want to be a part of that space. So if, if you could lay out any kind of industry with, aside from, you know, the, the more, uh, the crazier ones, such as, you know, perhaps firearms, they can all be a part of esports and gaming overall. It's just about how are we going to find the right connections for it, right? So one of the things that we're looking at as an organization, and one of the things that I've brought to the team is, is going after health and wellness brands and health and well, uh, from, sleep optimization to uh, to healthier food options to working out in generalized fitness because one of the things that we've seen is that with the intervention of greater nutrition when, when greater nutrition is taken into account and also uh, anaerobic and aerobic exercise and weight training the performance goes through the roof as far as when you're when you're going into competition so so we'd like to approach that because at the highest level in the professional space Serena these esports athletes are training just as if they were professional basketball players soccer players their their brain connectivity has to be at the utmost level because they're constantly darting their eyes across the screen they have to have their attention spans have to be there so Wow. That kind of gives I'm you a very, frame of reference. I'm <laughs> very happy you mentioned this because there are actually studies done on that, that people doing mm-hmm. mental exercises uh, in meditation, they mm-hmm. perform just as well with 1% difference to people that are uh, actually physically training it. 
Yeah. Yeah. We, a lot of, a lot of esports e studies come out of Europe, specifically in Germany, and also different esports organizations here in the States. There, what we're looking at is the intervention of meditation, healthy habits, because when you look at esports overall, the competitive, the, the age of competition, right? One, one example I always, I always go to is Guga, who won at the age of 16, won the Fortnite World Championships. And, you know, that he was at the age of 16. And then you look up and there's other competitors that are in their mid 20s, right? This is a, your age of competition in esports is very, is short. And with the intervention of healthy and, and developing healthy habits, nutrition, exercise, you're able to prolong your career and, and further grow your following, uh, grow grow your talent associated with with the esport, or perhaps you could move laterally and move into a different uh, a different gaming title, right? So um, that that's kind of some of the misunderstood parts is that health and fitness is very important to the professional level. And I'd like to extend that to gamers overall and esports fans overall. Right. How many years is the average career of a professional esports player? I've seen, I've seen players begin at the age of 18 and go on until their mid twenties. Uh, I've seen some only span a year because from the success that they've experienced, they start to engage in unhealthy habits, right? Oh. So I would say around uh, four, four to eight years is the average. And, and from there, what you can do is you can pivot and go into a corporate position on the gaming development side. You can start to handle, because what it does, because it, while your competitive career may be a little bit shorter, you are you learn the skills necessarily for team management, social media coordination. You're able to take those skills and go to corporate positions, right? And you're able to move into different other categories easier than if you were to pursue a career in traditional sports. Uh, I mm -hmm. feel right. Uh, there's there's a, a wealth of examples of different professional athletes going and uh, retiring. And not necessarily doing anything in that sport and not necessarily doing a lot with their lives, but in esports and gaming, it's a little bit different because you're able to pivot to more positions. And, mm -hmm. and since esports and gaming, the skill set involved is not just playing. It's also, you know, we, we need people in this space, marketing, law, copywriting. Right. We, we need a lot, many different skill sets in the space in order for it to grow. And there's constantly teams and developers and different organizations in the space looking for new applicants always. Right. Mm -hmm. So the, that's the that's the 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 career length. And then also that's w where you can go after. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I see that you also have your YouTube channel. Is this mm -hmm. uh, your private esports channel as a. Um, um, as a competitive player, or is it a part of your corporate job? Uh, the the oh the the URL I sent over. Um, let me see what it's called. So a lot of the ah, uh, Pittsburgh Knights, Pittsburgh Knights. Yeah, so so mm -hmm. I wanted to so yeah so that is from a 
professional standpoint, you all we always want to be engaging with the audience. And one of the easiest ways for us to engage with the audience is through different content platforms. And you know, YouTube, TikTok, Twitter, even LinkedIn allows us to further engage with a variety of different audience groups. Right now we're putting in some more resources into short form content to enabling us to go after the Instagram reels, TikTok and YouTube shorts audiences who want to swipe and they want to look at something interesting. And, and, and that's some of the, that, that's some of the content that we've been producing most recently. Um, you know, I talked to the, I talked to the social guys a lot and they love it. They, they love brainstorming new ideas of, of fun stuff to create. And then the, when when they see all the different notifications of people interacting and because of where we're where we are in the industry we have a relatively higher engagement rate than others so we're we're trying to be active uh actively engage we try to actively engage with our audience from dming dming them back or responding to their comments and stuff like that it's it's a lot of fun plus making content's like so much fun i've been i've been if you look at the instagram you scroll down a little bit i'm in some of their videos right so it's it's just something fun to do mm-hmm. <laughs> And so, so what exactly do you do as a corporate partnership mm-hmm. manager? So as a corporate partnerships manager, what I look at is, first off, I manage all the, <laughs> manage, I, I look at all of our different spreads of, of our current partners and, and uh, sponsors, and I look at how we can integrate them into all the cool stuff that we have going on this year and how we can authentically engage with our, our audience through them. And so that is what I do with our standing partners. And then on a, you know, further down the line next year, I'm constantly looking at different ways that we can integrate new partners into our current plan and, and also analyze the trends of where gamers are spending their money and where gamers want to want to spend their money and how we can incorporate those brands into that that daily life and, and and their habits overall right so that that's led me into some really cool conversations w- coming up with with different people and also cooler conversations in the past and it's given me not only a lot to think about from a from a personal standpoint but also it's given me a lot to think about from from a gamer perspective because like i i came into this space having a having a collegiate level uh, education, but also actively engaging in gaming since the age of 11, right? So I was, I'm constantly looking at what, what is now my work is something that I used to do for fun. And I used to watch different, uh, and read different articles about, you know, new game releases of this year. And, and I used to think like, okay, well, how can I, what, like, what do I do while I'm doing this? So it, it, you know, from the products that I actively buy from the products that my friends actively engage in or services that we engage in integrating those into to, and exposing them to more people is one of the things that I actively look at in my day to day. Right. Mm -hmm. Is there a mental health protection that you place on your product somehow, some sort of a break, especially for younger people? Yes. So that is something that's very important to us. So from a talent perspective and and from an inside perspective, that's one thing that we enforce with all of our talent and athletes. We do encourage them to 
engage in exercise or when you join on with us, we want to take a full take a take a full section of time to divert to how we can be of service to the talent and the different players. And then we coordinate with them as far as schedule goes. It's like, okay, well, we're going to practice from this time to this time, but this time you have a break, right? So you're going to get out of the house. You're going to go out. We, we take full account of where they live, like what kind of areas they live, if there's parks in that area. Right. So that we, we do take mental health into a huge, uh, huge consideration on the professional team and talent side, as well as with our staff. Right, we we are a we are a virtual company that wants everybody to be performing at their best, no matter what role they're in. If they're with us, then we have then that's something that matters uh, first and foremost, right? And you know that that is allowed for a lot more fluidity as far as conversations go internally. It allows everyone to come into their task or each meeting with a fresh face and a fresh mindset every meeting that they go in. I don't care if, I don't care if, you know, I'm in meetings all day, you know, and, and it's happened. I'll, I'll have like five minutes of time in between each and I'll be going from 9am in the morning to 3pm in the afternoon. And, and just the way that we run things, it, it's, 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 it's less stressful than, and than other corporate entities that I, I would say that exist, you know, so mm-hmm. mental health is very much important. And it's becoming a bigger conversation in esports and gaming overall, because when you look at how different organizations run things, or you look at the talent or how they treat talent, there's a lot that are left burnt out, or there's a huge lack of sleep problem yeah. going on in esports, because they it's will... very addictive as well. So exactly, exactly. It is mm-hmm. there's because if you look at it from a scientific perspective, there is constantly gratification and validation yeah. going on on the screen. Mm-hmm. You are receiving all of these different dopamine hits when you commit a high score, when you take down yeah. several enemies, all these different things, and you want to constantly chase that. Mm-hmm. And what they want to chase that feeling and then also they want to perform at their best because there are so many eyes on them from an audience perspective from the casters and commentators during the event constantly watching their view and also the people at home that are looking at their view and studying it right yeah so mm-hmm. it's it's from from that perspective when you have so many eyes on you and you know anybody in that in that position can relate to that kind of stress Right. So, um, and yeah, from, from an addiction standpoint, that is, that is a real, that, that's something real. So that's one of the things that we take into account when, uh, we bring in, you know, new athletes or, or talent as well. Yeah. So, so how about when it comes to people that are not, that you haven't recruited as talent, but they're, that are on your subscription, I suppose, that are using your product as, um, recreational, so, recreational. Yeah. Product. So, so what, What's advantageous about the our product, right? So as far as our product, we mainly operate within two categories, straight to consumer with our live streams, our events, mm-hmm. our leagues, and, and the content that we put out. That's for the consumers. From a services standpoint to other businesses that want to gain access to the content and the, and the visibility that we generate for such a, a captivated audience, um, right. So for, for those people, that's going to be a little bit different. So as far as what, what's advantageous for the consumer is that they're able to actively engage with our content 
and do everything else that you need to do during the day. You can watch the live streams or or engage with our content while you're at work or while you're at the gym. I've seen I, I've seen people who are who are just watching our live streams as they're doing spreadsheets and and they're working right. And then um, uh, from on on the um, on the business side, you know that that is where we'll we'll take into account different campaigns and and how unique or out of scope the project is for for what dates and for what length of time and and from there we'll perceive different pricing because we have we we you know just like any other organization we know what we're going to charge or if we we don't know what we're going to charge just yet well how about this i'm going to go back with a creative team find out and then you know we, we move very fast we would like to keep people constantly in the loop of communication right so i i have i i have like certain current different current prospects on a private messaging app called discord Right. So I'm constantly able to communicate with them outside of office hours on the weekends or, or in the more earlier mornings. Right. So that kind of kind of puts in the scope the business and consumer side of, of our of our business. Yeah. Um, my question was more towards the mental health when it applies mm -hmm. to the gaming part. Uh, th that's what I meant. People that subscribe to the gaming, not the esports mm -hmm. viewers, but the ones who actually want to participate. So is mm -hmm. there some sort of a limitation for the number of hours they use it or? Do, do you apply this only to the talent and uh and staff? so so as far as so as far as the the, the people at home that are, are viewing do you, is that what you mean mm, no the viewers buy their tickets and they view i suppose or whatever oh no no, no we, i mean the game well, okay uh, well, we, we don't we don't charge anything for for people to come and view our stuff ah. everybody's able to yeah so so as so limitations for oh so so people that game at home like yeah. what is the limitation for them? Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. Okay. So, so that, that clears things up. Um, as far as limitations that exist in the home, there is the, it, see that that's a multifaceted approach because what we're trying to inject into the conversation and also into content overall, that there is breaks that you can take and not experience a, um, and not experience kind of like a lack of growth in your performance in the game, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Just like if you were to go into the gym, it's important or, or engage in physical activity, it's important to take rest times and also mm -hmm. rest days off from that. Unfortunately, right now, when, when you game uh, in the home, the media that's around the game, the average gamer and the different voices and 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 concerned people that are telling them to take a break or stuff like that to, is in the form of either the parents or the friends that they hang out with um and then from a from a content media perspective when they're engaging with you know the live stream as they're gaming right that i've seen this a lot of times people will watch like twitch as they're gaming in the same thing just to see what the pros are doing um and from there, from that content perspective, we try to emulate, you know, you should, you should take a break. What you're seeing right here on the screen is the best of the best, right? So it's, it's realistic to, it's realistic to not think that you're going to get to that level in the span of the, of 12 hours of just sitting in the same spot and playing, right? Mm -hmm. So as far as the limitations that exist, it's very much in the circle, the immediate circle of the gamer at home. 
and also the content that they view, as well as their their browsing habits. You, you know, they, that can also play a huge role in in how in, in like, they might see on content that they're scrolling through that there's a new move they want to try, or and then boom, they're they're right back to playing. Right. So there there has to be a level balance, and and I don't think a lot of people understand the importance of that just yet. You know, you know, from a from a health healthy from developing healthy habits it's it's a conversation that we're trying to start and one that needs to keep on going and, and grow. Yeah, talking about the future, where do you see uh, esports developing? Mm -hmm. I see, first off, esports is growing vastly in, uh, in South America and in Southeast Asia. It's growing the fastest because from a professional standpoint, uh, people are able to game on their phones and they're able to compete professionally on titles such as PUBG Mobile, which is an arena-based uh, uh, battle royale game where you're able to be the last man standing. And you're able, and, you know, from with the advent of smartphones and the accessibility of, of Wi-Fi networks, more and more people are able to get into the space. As far as other places that I see it growing, one one place that I'd like to see it grow is virtual reality competitive play, um, because that takes into account all physical and mental aspects, right? And especially with with virtual reality, with the usage of omnidirectional treadmills, people are able to, as they are right now, have a visor on, and they're attached to a mechanism that allows them to sprint and and crouch in real time with their with their physical bodies and then they're still able to play against other people. So I would like to see esports go into that direction as well, but currently it's it's growing um in the traditional console and and PC spaces with with new titles that are freemium. Freemium meaning they're free yeah. to play at the base level, but it's order to get to the next level, you know, you do want to engage in the, some of those microtransactions just to make the overall experience um, better, right? Mm -hmm. So um, I see it growing a lot more in South America. Uh, our our Rainbow Six team is actually based in Argentina, and a lot of our staff members are from uh, Honduras and Mexico and and Brazil. And I also see it growing a lot in uh, Southeast Asia. So it's going to be very interesting to see where those spaces develop. Um, from a professional standpoint. And the caliber of talent that we're getting out of those areas of the world is is next to none. It's it's insane, right? Yeah. I'm really curious how, how the business model will develop if it's indeed in virtual reality, whether at some point it would be taken out of the arena and people would be walking around with exoskeletons and whatever, <laughs> you know, mixing <laughs> well, with the yeah. crowd. <laughs> yeah, as far, I mean, from the money side uh, of esports, it's very much dependent on the brands and the sponsors that want to be involved in the space, because if they want to be involved, they have to grow the space. It's almost mandatory for them to help set up tournaments, provide physical infrastructure for big events, provide digital bandwidth to make sure more people are participating in the events. So with more in the influx of brands and, and more sponsors into the space, we're going to see this space grow in a physical and in a virtual sense. Right. And, and, from the exosuit side, it, that is, that's kind of already here, you know, with, with like a, there, there's a brand, uh, the, shout out to Virtuix. Uh, Virtuix is a, 
private company that has for the first time created an omnidirectional treadmill that you're able to have in your living room so you're able to run in game you're able to crouch and move around in the game right mm -hmm. so I, I think I, I would like to you know it, it's very very impressive like some of the technology coming out uh into this space right so yeah. we'll see and I'm and I'm here for it I'm very excited uh, very cool. Thank you so much for this uh, exciting, engaging, very informative information. I, you know, I need to keep up with the times as well. My five-year-old is constantly watching games as well. He's watching all the gamers that, oh, you, okay. just, <laughs> that awesome. you just mentioned already at this age. So I'm, you know, struggling to keep his uh, mental health at this age that he's not too mm -hmm. engaged. But it is, that. that's why it's... Um, my questions revolved a lot around mental one, health and uh, if if you do if you're able to um one thing that i do um is i have a, i have a standing desk and obviously i'm sitting for the purposes of this interview because or else i'd be swaying around yeah. um but i have a, a treadmill at home that whenever i game i just stay on the treadmill mm -hmm. uh, and and before you know it, you've gone the length of several missions or you've gone the length of several quests. You know, I, I play Skyrim and I play a lot of different Star Wars games. So while I'm trying to figure out the puzzles in game, I'm like, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I'm, I'm actively like engaging in, in physical fitness, but I'm still also engaging with something that I truly enjoy, right? The gamification of the experience can take place in many forms. And, and you know, if, you're, if your toddler at home wants to play, it's like, okay, cool. Just, you know, be on the treadmill while you're doing it. And I'll be there with you, you know? So mm -hmm. it, it's, it, it's about developing the balance of the fun experience and also the healthy habits surrounding that from an early age to so that by the time they're, they're older, it's like, yeah, you know, I, it, my life doesn't revolve around this one thing. It's an interest of mine and mm -hmm. I can still engage in a healthy life, even if I am, and in this, in this space. Right. So, um, I mean, Hey, that, that's one of my recommendations for, for anybody getting into the space. It's like, you know, see how much you can do at, at a, at, if there's a loading screen in the game or you're waiting to connect to the network, do push-ups or, or hold a plank or something like that, you know? So it's, there's a lot of different things you could do. So that's what makes the space so enjoyable for me. Yeah, that's great. I mean, it, it, in the end, uh, everything has a solution. It doesn't need to be all doom and gloom about what it could, do, what the esports exactly. and gaming could do to the uh, grow, to the growing up population. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. So Liam, Again, where can people find you and what what is up next on uh, so, Nights Esports? So for, for Nights Esports, we're, we just started split two of the North American Valorant Challengers League. I would encourage everybody to go. Uh, what is the link? It's a. Uh, it was, I have it right here. It's pks.gg slash NACL. You're able to see all the different updates for the, the, how the tournament's progressing, press releases, and also you're able to view it right on that website. It'll take you right to Twitch. Uh, if you're looking for content there, I, I'd also recommend you like check out some of our socials. We're probably most active on Twitter. Uh, we have the domain nights for most of the social media that we utilize. Um, I don't know how we swung that because it's like, the easiest domain that I would that I would take honestly, uh, if I was a fan. But um, I would definitely recommend following me on it, or following up on on those different social media platforms because I'm tagged in like a bunch of their different posts. So um, yeah. 
definitely follow the nice on socials and check out the Valorant Challengers League because that's something we're producing all the time. Uh, and check out our Twitch. Uh, we're constantly running different tournaments. We have our Sakura Cups coming up and, um, you know, June, if you're looking for something completely different, you know, I, we work with Wiz, the popular rapper Wiz Khalifa and his Taylor gang. They were one of our first investors. And on June 14th, we're running the entirety of his Wiz and Friends live stream, right? It's going to be a fun time of blending rap, fashion, and gaming. Um, you know, really excited for all the things that come, are coming up. So um, you, you might even see me on screen. I might, I might go out to LA for that. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> excited for all the things that we have coming up. So check out the night socials uh, and, you know, definitely connect with us there. And yeah, that's, that's probably where I'd recommend people go. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you so much for your dedication in explaining this uh, complex environment and the business model and everything. I, I now have a much broader and deeper view into what exactly esports is. Well, I had none at the beginning. So <laughs> you managed to, to really paint the picture in these 50 minutes. Thank you so much, Liam. Awesome. Thank you, Zarina. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Grow and Learn. We hope that you found our podcast informative, engaging and inspiring. Our mission is to help you keep growing and learning, and we hope that our conversations and insights have provided you with practical advice and useful perspectives. If you're looking for personalized support and guidance to help you achieve your personal or professional growth objectives, I offer a range of services to help. As a trusted management partner and mentor, I work with businesses in the process of transformation, looking for new streams of business, as well as M&A. With an extensive professional network of experts and mentors, I can bring on board the right person or team based on the specific needs of the company I'm working with. To learn more about the services I offer and how I can help you achieve your goals, visit my website at growandlearn.org. You can also reach out to me via email or social media. I'd love to hear from you. And if you enjoyed this episode of Grow and Learn, please subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review. Your feedback is important to us and it helps us to continue to create content that is relevant and valuable to our listeners. Thanks again for listening and we look forward to sharing more insights and perspectives with you in the future.